Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning indeed. My name is Alex Florio. For those that do not know me, I served here at First Presbyterian Church, and it is a delight to worship with you this morning in spirit and in truth. Uh, we are coming out of the gate strong and continuing our, se- our series on Hebrews. But before I start, um, as this year is a new year, and of course we've talked about transitions and changes, um, I don't know, Callan, if you were going to say a word a little bit later, but uh, first of all, I-, I think we should give a round of applause to our musicians for leading us in worship always. It is a blessing, and I thank you for that. And particularly, we are going to be losing one of our teammates here, not because he's going, well, he is going somewhere. He's not going to be with Jesus yet. Not yet, but my brother Will, where's he at? Where's Will at? I'm not sure. I know he probably just stepped out, but Will is the guy. He plays guitar here. He also has that table thing. What's that table thing called, Cal? It's called a what? A pedal steel makes things super country. That's why I wore my boots and everything. I was like, man, it's going to be good. But we want to thank him for his service as he's been serving here. God's sending him out. Amen. God is sending him out to California. We're going to miss him dearly. Um, And yeah, we're just incredibly grateful. So uh, as again, like I said, we're continuing our series in Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter one. We're going to be in uh, chapter one, verses four. There he is, my boy Will. Give him a give him a round of applause right there. We want to make sure we show you some love. Do we love you? We thank you, man. Thank you for honoring us and blessing us with the gifts and talents that God has given you. That has been your tithe, your offering. And we just we're, we're delighted. Thank you. So as we are coming to uh, the word of the Lord, let us go ahead and read this uh, as we uh, desire to know God more and intentionally this Sunday morning. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, and it reads, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe with the word of his power. After making purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty, having become superior to the angels, named he uh, has inherited more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. And of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of uprighteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and in the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish but you will remain. They will all wear out like garments and like, ro- like robes, and they will be rolled up, and like garments they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who shall inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. 
And as we, we all say, that, uh, okay, praise the Lord, we do have it. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you are worthy of our praise. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you would speak to us, Lord that we would not walk out the same way that we first walked in, but rather we pray that we would take this word and place it in our heart, that as we desire to dwell with you and come to know you more, that we would continue to love others the same way that you first loved us. Help us to understand this hope. Help us to understand this grace. Help us to continue to remind ourselves that we are fully loved by you. And Lord, in this day, we set aside all things to hear from you and to read your word. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen and amen. Well, friends, like I said before, I'm honored to be here with you this morning uh, as we worship God and to know him more in spirit and truth. Uh, and if I'm being honest with you, it was unexpected for me to preach this week. Uh, as there have been, of course, illnesses and sicknesses, and as uh, uh, the uptick in COVID case, uh, our pastoral staff has been hit, and we pray for them uh, and all those that have been affected and that are wrestling with illnesses right now. Having said that, I really want to just take some time to thank Mitchell for his notes to help me shape my notes today. <laughs> today, I get to be the guy in class that wasn't present at the start of the project. I wasn't there at the very beginning, but your boy showed up right before the shot clock ran out, and I get full credit. Praise God. Won't he do it? Amen. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm receiving that. Thank you, Mitchell. I appreciate that. But in all honesty, in all honesty, I'm grateful uh, to preach, and I'm, gra I'm grateful for our preachers and our teachers that are here at this church that inspire all of us to be better disciples as we desire to follow him and as we are called to dwell with the Lord. And as we come to worship this morning, that was the word that was pressed on my heart as I prepared for the sermon, to dwell. You see, dwell as a verb means to live or as a place that is, uh, or a specified place. A dwelling, which is a noun, is a place, location where one takes residence. There are many times when we can look at our homes and find a bit of sanctuary. Uh, and that is where we dwell, right? We like that. Um, and it is where we can tend to like decompress, right? Kick our feet up uh, and, just, and just be us, just be us fully in who we are, right? Um, or, um, and it's just us being home, right? Our dwelling is our home. Unfortunately, sometimes our dwelling can be tainted with discord, arguments, tensions, and we all know this too well, especially as we have left the holiday season and have been invited or have invited others over uh, these beautiful people, right? You'd be like, oh man, I love you, right? But sometimes it can just be a little uncomfortable and you just gotta, hey, I gotta go, boom, gotta go to my dwelling, right? But even so, however you've received it this past season, home is home. And our hope is that we would make our home a place of peace and a welcome, and there are times in our lives as Christians, us as Christians, we want to say words like, oh, I desire to dwell with the Lord, right? Like, I want to dwell in his presence and be in his presence. Uh, and, and as if it's like we have so much authority, we want to invite him in, right? As if this isn't all, this isn't all already his to begin with. Church, I want to press deeper into this. And the reason why I say that is to highlight the fact that here in the book of Hebrews, in this specific text, the author of Hebrews is coming out of the gates strong, strong, bold, and confident 
about who this God is. And through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that is in our hearts, we would hope that we would recognize who he is as we desire to dwell with him. Uh, and as we desire to dwell with him and as we pursue, we want to be able to respond and make our camp in the truth of the foundations of who God is. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gave us a parable. And this, par- this parable is kind of where we place our camp. It says again, for everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rains fell and the floods came, the wind blew and it beat on our house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, do not let them, do not let them be like the foolish man uh, who built his house on sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell and it was a great fall, right? We desire to place our house on a rock. And Jesus goes on later in chapter 16 and understanding our foundations of what we believe in Jesus. We see this in chapter 16 again when they ask, who do you say that I am? And when we look at this text, the truth is this, the author of Hebrews is trying to say Christ is greater than the angels. Well, he goes on to flush that out. Jesus says in chapter 16, later on in Matthew says, now when the, Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi and he asked disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answers him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. Our foundation is secure Who is this Jesus that we serve? He is the son of the living God. And when the gospel and the gospel of Matthew, when you look at it, it is commonly agreed upon scholars that it has been written to primarily a Jewish audience in the same shading and the same coloring of the book of Hebrews. Matthew derives of the fulfillment of Christ. Hebrews solidifies the final position of Christ, not only to the Jew Hebrews, but to all mankind. Christ is greater, and we will flush this out in five distinct points that the author may, as the author as the author makes in these seven references. The first distinct point that we see is in this book, in this text this morning, is that Jesus has a greater name than the angels. Now, why is this important on the front end? Again, the verse that I'm, I'm referring to is, is verse 5. As it says, for which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, I have begotten you? Or verse, verse 4, having become superior to the angels, his name he has inherited more excellent than theirs. His name. Now, why is this important? Well, when you look in scripture, an individual's name 
reveals a lot of the nature and the character of the individual. It tells a story. And we see names and several others, uh, and several others in the scriptures that shape the journey and tell their story. A few of them are right here. We have Isaac. His name is the one who laughs. One that was never thought to believe that should have been born. They, lay, they name him Isaac. Laughter. The one who laughs and one who rejoices. Joseph. His name means he will add and he will increase. Again, a brother being sold by his own brothers to the Egyptians, being placed in jail for a crime he did not commit. And then later he would be lifted on high to be a blessing to the people. He will add, he will increase Joseph. Moses, to pull out or to draw from water. Not only was he pulled out as a baby, but also he led a people through, uh, through the, parting of the, uh, of, uh, the parting of the waters for liberation, for freedom for the people, the Israelite people. Jesus, when he's first prophesied, it is in, uh, and, and his naming is in the book of Isaiah, and it said that there will be one who comes and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. This is the uh, first sermon that I did in the recent Advent series as we started Advent this past year, that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And in Isaiah chapter 9, he finishes the prophecy saying, for unto us in description, mind this, mind this, this is the description of Emmanuel, his name. For unto us a child is born and a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be what? Called? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our God is a promise keeper, and he promised us a savior, and he gave him a name. And when we look at Jesus, his name is greater than the angels. Now, why would we sit here and say, like, well, why are we, when we're looking at the group of Hebrews, why, why angels? Well, when we look at the time and the culture of the time, we, we sought out that there are many things that people look to. And yes, we should revere angels. They are a blessing, and we're going to go on further into it. But there needs to be a distinction that separate from the angels, Christ is above. And his name is greater than that of the angels. Though the angels are to be revered and wholly set apart to be messengers of God, they are not the son of God. We must have a sober, clear view of what angels are. And most importantly, we must have a foundational view of who Jesus is. And Paul pushes forward this in Philippians chapter 2, saying, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Only Jesus possesses the name, the Son of God. And it is because of his name that his position is also 
greater. This brings us to the second point, that Jesus is in a greater position than the angels. We see this flushed out in verse 6. And again, he brings the firstborn, right? And, the, and again, he brings the firstborn into the world. And he says, let all of God's angels worship him. And of the angels, he says, he makes his angels like winds of fire, uh, of his winds and his ministers like flames of fire. The phrase, when God brings the firstborn son into the world, it is clearly a reference to the birth of Jesus. And praise God, we just celebrated that with Christmas. Praise God. My favorite time of the year. And it was with that point that God ordained all of his angels to worship him. We read this in Mark chapter 2 when the angels sing to the shepherds at the birth, uh, uh, Jesus' birth, saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And we read that the angels worshiped him again not only from the front end on his birth, but on the back end we see it in Revelation chapter 5. Verses 11 through 13, they sing and they looked and I heard on the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering the myriads of myriads and the thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea, that all of them sang to him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing, the honor, the glory, and might forever and ever. And the four creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus has by far the greater honor because of his position. Angels do not worship other angels. They worship God. And God being a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God, to be worshiped in spirit and in truth, lifted on high, Jesus has been given a name and he has by far the greater honor. And it is because of his name and his position, his status is greater. Angels are servants, praise God. And we see the stories and the testimonies of angels all throughout scripture and we rejoice at them. We do. But angels are servants and he makes them his agents of ministers, fully devoted, obedient, desiring to see God's will taken place. In Psalm 104, it says that his angels are of wind and fire, as it was referenced here in verse 7. The angel said he makes his angels of wind and fire in Hebrews. But in Psalm 104, verses 1 through 4, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed in splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays beams of his chamber on the waters, and he makes the clouds his chariot, and he rides with wind, the wings of wind, and he makes his messengers winds and his ministers of flaming fire. We see these testimonies all throughout the Old Testament because it was through a burning bush that God worked through. 
And it was by a pillar of fire by night that he liberated. God works and God has used his angels throughout all of scripture. But to the son of God, he says three things. It says that his throne, his throne, which marks his rule that will never end. His scepter, which is his authority, will be executed in righteousness, including and against wickedness. And his anointing, the heavenly joy of eternal salvation and sovereignty as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is superior in all status. And again, back then in antiquity, you would know royalty and authority by the scepter that was given. And when the scepter was lifted on high, knees hit the ground. And that was for a a man world. But God is using these illustrations, these images, to let us all know that every knee, every tongue, everybody will confess to know who Christ is. And because he holds a scepter, his authority is far greater. We see this in verses uh, 10 through 12 of our text today. And it says, And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning. And in the heavens are your work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like garments. Right? We see this in our text. And it finishes off saying, like a robe, you will roll them up, and like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. That's what our text says this morning in Hebrews. As we read this, we remind ourselves that in, in uh, this, the same chapter, in verse 2, that Jesus was the agent of creation. Now, creation, we must know and have to have, again, a good view that it will perish. All that is created will pass away. This is why when we look at creation and at the beginning, um, and when, when we look at the beginning that something was declared to have a beginning, we have to understand to say that there's a beginning, there will be an end. That's why I love seasons, right? Seasons start, they, and like for us here in Texas, it seems like the summer heat is on the way, and it's like there's two seasons here in Texas. You got like, or actually it's like three, it's like you got cold, and then you got hot, then you got really hot, and then awkward, right? And so <laughs> you, you're just like, I have no idea what I'm going to wear today. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. And I, I want to say thank you for all these uh, pastor, pastor rags. I, I've got my variations of every other color. But I'm grateful for this because I just know this, that as we're in the season of winter, I enjoy it because it's a little colder. Seasons start and they end. And thus creation is the same way. Everything that God has created has purpose. And purpose is given to us by a creator. This is why when we look at the ways that God reveals himself, we know that science is not one that could be used to disprove, but rather science proves more of the sovereignty of God every day. Ex nilo, nilo ex. Out of nothing comes nothing. We know that there was a creator for every intricacy of life. We can further, if you want to have a further conversation about that, I would love it. Oh, my Appreciate you, my boy. Thank you so much. You see, I already broke the Science is a beautiful way that God reveals himself. 
And when we look at creation and how God creates and how God restores and how God sustains, we know that all things will start and have an ending and they all have purpose. The very laws of science and math bind itself to itself. And thus, if we are in a state where there is purpose, we have to start asking ourselves, where does purpose lie? There must have been an authority to place purpose. And when something is created, it can also be destroyed or perish. I like the fact that in this text, it also says that uh, it will all, <laughs> it will wear out like a garment rolled up and put away creation. It'll, it'll be rolled up, right? Uh, and it changes from one to another, right? We know that there's important, and I like this because like we can apply this to our life, right? Like Jesus uses parables and he's like, oh, I'm, gonna use, I'm gonna say this so it can apply to you, right? So this is like a little bit for us, right? Because, right, like church, we know the value of like washing our clothes, Right? Can I get an amen? Maybe. We know, praise God. Hey, there we go. Somebody washes their clothes in here. Praise God. We know this, or at least I hope so. Right? We want to make sure when we come to church, right, we're looking freshy fresh. Right? We're putting our best foot forward. We're looking real, we're trying our best. You know, hey, man, praise God. Hey, <laughs> looking good. Praise God. Right? Or, I mean, and then there are some days, if we're being honest, like, you know, we're not putting our press forward. We're like running behind or something like that. And, and you're in a rush. You didn't plan what to wear. And like, you might see that one garment on the floor or near your, near your bed. You're like, man, I'm, I'm in a rush. And you, what do you do? You pick it up. And what do you do? Do a little, little okay. Yeah, you make a decision at that moment. I don't know what your decision is. I just, uh, we've been there, right? College students, maybe uh, no, high schoolers, middle schoolers, definitely adults. No, don't, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all do that smell check and you're just trying to decide, man, will somebody else notice? I don't, you know what I mean? Praise God. You know, you give a little sniff, give the little sniff test. You're good to go. A garment being rolled up. Look at that. Praise God. Uh, no, but you see for us here, speaking of his garment, like Jesus, his garments don't get dirty. Jesus is always fresh, always clean, always on port. There's no need to put his best foot forward because his old being is good. And if you don't declare it, don't worry. There's thousands of stars in the sky that will declare his radiance. There are thousands of stars and, and mountains that will speak of his majesty. Jesus is immutable. R.C. Sproul goes on to talking about his immutability, that he is unchanging, uh, consistent, and foundational. R.C. Sproul spoke on this and says that it is a fundamental sin when we look at Christ. And it's important that we talk about this portion because a fundamental sin of man is idolatry, right? Idolatry is the exchanging of God's glory and then applying it to something that is common. But idolatry can also be extremely complex. God is pure, sovereign, and unalterable being. He is being, not becoming. There's a difference between being and becoming. When you are becoming, you are inevitably seeking or will be subject to change. And thus, there is nothing in this universe right now that is not changing. Everything is changing. To the slowest amount of time, everything is in a process of change. But what happens 
when the tiniest implication that God is becoming, that God becomes subject to change. Beloved, if you add one scintilla, as Dr. Sproul says, of the becoming of God, you have made him into a creature and thus given into idolatry because you have felt within your opinion that you had the power to declare that God can change. No, beloved, God is not becoming, he is being. He is a being. He does not change. He is not impressed or, or subject to change by outside forces. He is God, amen. He is the way he is now, tomorrow, and forevermore. Jesus Christ being the same from eternity to eternity. And while angels will exist forever, they themselves were created by the uncreated Christ. He is superior in his existence and his existence has displayed one great thing and it's the next point that it is a greater redemptive role that the book of the author of Hebrews is trying to speak here a greater redemptive role Christ rules and angels serve Christ atones for our sins and angels serve and help us in our struggles when we look to this text this text of authority and power is clearly articulated as one of war we see there in verse 13 and 14 which of the angels has he ever said sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool at your feet are not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who shall inherit salvation this is a reference yes in my it sounds very much and articulates war however it is much deeper than that when he says i make your enemies the footstool this text redeems and encourages the text is in reference of psalm 110 which is the most quoted psalm in the new testament from the old testament jesus applies this to himself in Mark chapter 12, his rule is absolute and comprehensive. The picture of his image to his enemies at his footstool, right? For the angels in verse, 17, in verse 14 is saying that the angels are ministering spirits sent out by his command to minister to the redeemed and his noble and glorious vocation, but, to the, to, but it is inferior to the authority of Christ. Right? Christ is sending out these angels. Christ is on the move, and it is by God's will. Christ is superior over them, and Christ redeems. This is why when we look, it says, and it cries out, this is for the one that Christ... So, so who is this for? When we're speaking about redemption, who he is ministering to, this is for the one that cries out, where does my help come from? And that might be you coming into 2022. From where does my help come from, O Lord? And, to the, and, and in boldness, I reply to you, my hope is this, that you would also reply when you ask, from where does my help come from? My prayer is that you would be able to say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As Jesus sends and responds and acts his perfect will, and the angels are obedient to respond to it. Jesus in all authority upon the living, a perfect life is crucified. The sinless, the sinless Christ receiving a sinner's death. 
where Paul in Romans 3 would call him our propitiation, meaning a price, a satisfied price paid that was needed to be paid for it to be satisfied, for the sins of us to be satisfied. Christ is our propitiation. Justice is fulfilled at the cross and at the feet of our holy king. It makes him just and justifier. The reason why every king, every principality, and the enemies are at his footstool because Christ is just and justifier. There is no greater there out there. There's none greater out there. Thus he said, when he died on the cross, it is finished. In the Greek word, it's testelestai. And he bowed his head and he took his last breath and he gave up his spirit. That's what we read in John chapter 19. It is at the cross, an instrument of death, because, and God gave us life through it. Life because that's where Christ lived the life died the death. And three days later, what do we know, church? Three days later, he rose from the dead, exited the tomb, sin, death, and the enemy were all defeated. There is no question who the victor of this story is. Beloved, do not grow weary and remind yourself that you do not walk towards victory, right? As if the battle is still happening and we're pressing on, hoping that we would win. No, 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 church. Beloved, my prayers is that you would remind yourself you walk from victory. Victory. Victory has already been had. Our Christ has risen, and he is risen indeed. Our Christ is victorious, and there is none that can challenge him. And it is because it is declared at the end of Matthew chapter 28. What is it said? All authority, Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So now go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have observed and I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Jesus says, I am with you. This King, this Lord above all things says, I am, I am with you. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I have won the battle. You are freely and fully loved. And I want you to know this in church. I, I'm, I'm, I hope and pray that one of y'all and some of y'all would take that message today. As you start this new year, you would be reminded that you are fully Fully loved by the Savior that rose from the dead. And our hope is this, is that we would share this hope with others, that we would share this grace with others, that we would be compassionate in all that we do, and that we would walk together as a family. Because you, are, you better believe this, church, that the enemies know who he is. Our enemies know who he is. And my prayer is that you would know who he is. In the moment when you get weary... In the moment that you become fearful and despair has found its way to the front door, remind them who this house serves. So beloved, live boldly, love deeply, share hope generously, walk faithfully, because the one who calls you is faithful. He is faithful and he will do it. And as the musicians come up, we were reminded that all these other kings have been defeated and bowed down, that there is no principalities or any other work that can compare to him. Again, we see this echoed in Philippians chapter two, every knee will bow on heaven and earth, and angelic beings, human beings, even demonic beings, all will bow 
to Jesus the King. So church, as we leave, what does this mean for us? Church, my prayer for you is this, is that my hope for you is that you would come to know this King. That word dwelling that I told you in the beginning, I would like for you to make your camp on that rock, that Jesus is the Son of God, that though God mobilizes the angels, Christ is above the angels, that we would know his role, we would know his name, and we would know him as Savior and as King. My prayer is that you would not grow weary, church. My prayer is that you would be encouraged that you are not too far. You're not too far, church. You are not irredeemable. You can be redeemed. You can be restored. You can be delivered. You want to know why? Because he's still delivering me and he's still restoring me and sanctifying me daily. And I'm just asking you to walk with me, church. Let's walk together as we grow. Let's walk together as we love. Let's walk together as we seek his face and know him more. And to the Christian that's facing persecution right now and may be tempted to shy away, I implore you to do no such thing in the face of troubles and though suffering should find its way to you, greater is he that lives in you than he who's of the world. I close with this excerpt and we've said it before here in this, in this sanctuary and in this contemporary service and I thought it was just applicable, absolutely applicable today. And it's a prayer from St. Patrick. And I took two portions, it's a long prayer, but I took two portions for us tonight, today. And my prayer is that right now, as you sit there, that you would close your eyes. And as I read this prayer to you, that you would let these words cascade over you. Cascade over you because last year has passed. The new year has come and Christ can do amazing things in and through you. Our Savior has come. These are the words. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eyes to look before me, God's ears to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from the snares of the devil, from the temptations of vices, and from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near in my alone time and in solitude. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort me and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in my quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in the heart of all those who love me, Christ in the mouth of a friend or a stranger, I arise today. And the church said, amen.